0: welcome back to just another episode of just another college football podcast my name is Tommy Brzee and today we're talking week seven tons to get to Oregon's going to Washington Miami trying to bounce back after the debacle last week against Georgia Tech tons to get to tons of really close games that I don't have a lot of confidence in picking but I'm gonna pick them anyway we'll get to it all let's go Alrighty, welcome into just another college football podcast. My name is Tom Brzee, and today we're talking week 7, and there's no better place to start in week 7 than Seattle-Washington, the Ducks taking on the Huskies, Oregon-Washington. This one is going to define the Pac-12 in a lot of ways. In my personal opinion, these are the top two teams in that conference, and this might be the game that defines who gets to the conference championship and who eventually wins the conference in a lot of ways. And no better place to start in this one than Bo Nix versus Michael Penix. Two of the guys leading for the Heisman, two of the top passers this year in passing yards and touchdowns. Both have one interception for Bo Nix, two for Michael Penix. and an insane touchdown to interception clip for both of them. So this is as good of a matchup as you can get at the quarterback position. I think we saw last week with Quinn Ewers against Dylan Gabriel when two quarterbacks are on the same stage. And you know Quinn, you were started that game slow, but there was a point in that game where they were both playing at a very high level, and that was just made it super fun to watch. And I think this one uh, will be much of the same. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, this one comes down to which line of scrimmage can win against the the other O line. Um, Oregon obviously has a great front seven. Jordan Birch has been huge for them this year. Um, but this is obviously the biggest test they're going to face. Um, this Washington O-line, this Washington offense in general, knows exactly what they want to do. They want to get the ball out of Michael Penix's hands quickly to the three guys they have on the outside that are pretty much All-American talent and um, just kind of let them work. So Oregon knows that, but if they can make Michael Penix uncomfortable You know, force them out of the pocket, force them to make some tough throws, I think they could have a lot of success. Um, We saw Arizona slow down this Washington passing attack a little bit, so I'm sure Oregon will be looking at that game tape to kind of get themselves ready to go. Um, Washington obviously having the home field advantage in this one is huge, especially with that offense. It's easy to get a crowd involved with a big play to Jalen Polk or to Jalen McMillan or to Roma Dunsey. There's tons of guys to go to, and they do it better than most teams in the country. So I think that's going to be kind of the key. you got to get the crowd involved early, put this Oregon offense, maybe get them a couple of false start penalties, just get them off uh, kilter really early on, and I think they could have a ton of success if they can do that. Um, obviously, if you can get the crowd involved, it's always a plus. So I think Washington, if they can get out to a 7-0, maybe 10-0 lead, it could really benefit them um, throughout that game, not just you know starting with that lead but being able to – throw the Oregon offense off and at least force them to make a couple of mistakes with the crowd involved uh, the way they will be. And I think this is a funny game because a lot of games, especially in college football, come down to who can make the one play, who can get the turnover, who can um, you know get the one sack, get the one penalty, whatever it is. Um, I don't think this game is going to be much about that at all. Obviously, there will be plays that define the game, but I think this one comes down to execution. Both these teams have been so great executing their offenses and defenses thus far throughout the season. But this is easily the biggest talent uh, or the biggest um, challenge for both these teams. Um, so I think this is one where you'll learn a lot about both these teams. You'll learn a ton about if Washington's defense can play at a championship level. You'll learn a ton about whether Oregon's uh, running attack is as solid as they um, have have seemed to be throughout the start of the season. So this is a game that is really going to come down to just who can execute from start to finish more consistently and better, and I tend to lean Oregon is going to be able to do that. I think they have a more solid run game. They average 7.1 yards per carry, Washington 4.7. So I think that could be kind of the definer. I think their O-line will control the pace of this game, keep the Oregon defense on the sideline for long enough to give them time to regroup and, you know, not be totally worn out by this Washington fast-paced offense. So I'm going to take Oregon to get a huge win, take control of the Pac-12, and possibly be alone at the top depending on how this next game goes. Alrighty, we're staying in the Pac-12, but we are not staying out west. We're going to South Bend, Indiana, USC at Notre Dame. One of the best matchups you can even dream of in college football. Two great programs, two historic programs, playing on one of the best fields and best stadiums in all of college football. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be something that you are going to want to watch. I promise. 7:30 p.m. kickoff. Notre Dame favored by two and a half, even though they're coming off a loss, four and two against six and zero. But Notre Dame, I think this is a team that's very capable of doing of playing with pretty much anyone in the country. Obviously, that Louisville game kind of got away from them. But they're in a stretch of the season that not a lot of teams in the country ever have to play. Playing Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, and then USC in such quick succession makes it really tough to go through that unscathed. Obviously, you drop two out of the three, it makes it a little bit harder to swallow, but I think this team will come ready on Saturday. I think Marcus Freeman has a really good grasp on this team and knows what it takes to motivate them and get them ready to go. So I have no reason to believe that Notre Dame will come into this game lagging at all or um, letting the loss to Louisville carry over into this one. I think they'll come energized and they'll come ready to play. And I think the funny thing about this one is there's two totally different teams, two totally different philosophies, and totally different skill sets. And I think it really starts with the QBs. These are two very talented, very capable QBs and Sam Hartman and Caleb Williams. But they go about in totally different ways, obviously. You know, Caleb Williams has that remarkable athletic ability, can stretch out plays, can pretty much make every throw on the field. And Sam Hartman just kind of goes about his business, runs the offense exactly the way that you envision it if you're an offensive coordinator, and just kind of handles business. Uh, You know, maybe doesn't have the stats that Caleb Williams has, but is still plenty capable of... Uh, playing with pretty much anyone in the country and making huge plays in those games. So it'll be interesting to see who can execute the offense to a higher degree um, this Saturday because the one thing we know about the USC defense is they make plenty of offenses look good. Uh, they are an equal opportunity defense. They make every single player on the field look like they're the best player on the field. They um, And I don't think that's necessarily going to change uh, this Saturday. I think Notre Dame, obviously the big... Um, problem with them going through this part of the season has been they haven't been able to get their wide receivers involved. Mitchell Evans has been a huge part of the past game, and he's been a great tight end, and he is a great tight end. But um, they are going to need some help from those wide receivers if they're going to want to really compete in this game, especially because you're going to have to score points to stick around. And you can't score points if you don't get your wide receivers involved and if you don't get that run game back to where it was before the Ohio State game. And I think they probably will. I think... This USC team has shown that you really don't have to be perfect if you want to stay in games with them. Um, Colorado was far from perfect and found their way back into that one. Um, and Notre Dame is going to be really solid on defense. I think they might not you know, totally shut down this USC offense. It's nearly impossible to do that. But I think they will make enough plays, maybe turn over Caleb Williams once or twice. And that's kind of all they need to uh, win this one. I think they'll score plenty. And I think Jaden Greathouse kind of has that huge coming out party that Notre Dame fans have been waiting for a little bit since the Navy game. Why don't we just stay in the Pac-12 for another incredible matchup out there. UCLA at Oregon State and the Pac-12 is just delivering this week. I think it's going to be a remarkable week out West and I think it's going to show a lot of people how the pecking order really uh, shapes up in that conference. So, And I think this one will go a long way to showing that as well. UCLA at Oregon State, two teams that are going to run the ball. They're going to slow you down. They're going to try to play defense and just hit you at different times. And UCLA obviously coming off a huge win against uh, Washington State, a team that beat Oregon State in Corvallis. So something to keep an eye on there. This UCL, uh, UCLA defense has proven to be just a huge game-changer for the Bruins' offense. With Dante Moore kind of struggling to really get his footing the way uh, Bruins fans kind of expected him to, I think with this defense, they're capable of still doing all the things they want to do, still competing in the Pac-12. And if they can win this one, the conference or the schedule ahead of them is not as difficult as um, a lot of the other people in the conference. They do play at USC, which is going to be tough, obviously. But beyond that, they should be favored in absolutely every game they play, especially if they win this one in Corvallis. Um, the one thing to watch is obviously um, you are in Corvallis at night. It's not necessarily Utah at night. It's not necessarily that level, but it is right around there. They are rowdy. They're going to be loud, and they're going to try to uh, make Dante Moore have a similar game that he had against Utah. You know, They only scored uh, seven points in that game. The offense got absolutely nothing going. And if it's going to be like that, uh, if they're they're going to let the crowd get to them again, it could be a long day at the office. So they're going to have to uh, get up early, UCLA. They're going to have to run the ball, get the crowd out of the out of the action a little bit, and just let Dante Moore kind of get the feel for the game. Um, if they start down seven zero on a big play by Silas Bolden or someone like that, it could be um, you know a tough start to a tough day for them. So. I think that's something to watch. If you see Oregon State get a big play early, that could be all she wrote. I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but I think when you have a crowd like they have and when you have a game that they know they have to win like this, I I think the crowd will get involved very early and will be involved the entire game if you give them that oxygen early. So UCLA is going to have to play great defense in this one. And I tend to think they will. I think both these teams are going to play awesome defense. They're both going to run the ball. It's going to be a low-scoring affair, maybe 24-20, 17-14. 20, I think it might not be the most intriguing television of all time, but I think it'll be a great football game. And I think I'm going to go UCLA. I'm not very confident in that at all, if I'm being honest. Corvallis is a tough place to play. I think, I just, I think Dante Moore is going to kind of get into the groove a little bit this week make a couple of big plays and kind of show people who what he's capable of being. And then this guy's the limit for this UC, uh, UCLA team. They have games coming up that they should win pretty comfortably, and then you got to go to USC and just put it all on the line on that Saturday. So, ton to look forward to for the Bruins. We'll see uh how this one shakes out, but we're going to learn a lot about the Pac-12 this week. From two teams that are fighting for their lives in their conference. To two other teams that are fighting for a spot in their conference championship, Miami at UNC this weekend. Miami obviously coming off that crazy coaching decision against Georgia Tech that lost them the game. I know there are some Miami fans looking at alternate angles, saying his elbow was down, saying different things. You shouldn't have run the ball. It's really that simple. You shouldn't need the ball. You should have won the game and gone home. You didn't, and that's pretty much the end of the story. Um, but looking forward to this game, it shouldn't affect them at all. The one play in a game against Georgia Tech should have no bearing over what they do against UNC. It might, and then we'll learn a lot about this Miami team, but I like to think they'll come ready, they'll come prepared, and they'll give UNC a good run for their money. Um, I think UNC, the, the thing to watch obviously with UNC is shots downfield. They do it better than most teams in the country. But when you're going up against Miami, you're going up against two of the best safeties in the country in uh, Cam Kitchens and James Williams. I think both those guys are going to have to be on the top of their games if they're going to want to keep this UNC passing attack just at bay a little bit. You know, you don't have to do everything. You don't have to be perfect by any means. Drake May is going to get his. He always has. But if you can limit those plays as much as possible, maybe force a a turnover um, once or twice, I think you could really change the complexion of this game, and it really could come down to those two guys against, you know, the speedy guys, Nate McCullum on the uh, UNC defense, or UNC offense, excuse me. I think um, this Miami secondary has a big challenge ahead of them. They've played really well thus far, but this is obviously, you know, where, you know, the money is made. This is where you win the ACC or you lose the ACC if you're Miami, especially coming off a loss like that to Georgia Tech. You just need to get back on track a little bit. So um, I think this one, it, it's going to be two totally different styles. UNC is going to try to stretch them out, score quickly, keep their offense on the field, You know, do the things um, that they're used to doing, You know, let Drake May be Drake May. And then on the Miami side, they're going to have to run the ball. Um, I think the one thing that they really struggled with against Georgia Tech was They couldn't really get anything consistently going on the ground. You know, They ran pretty well from time to time, but they never got anything consistently going. And when you can't do that, it's going to be a long day for Tyler Van Dyke. So I think that was really what that game came down to. Um, Georgia Tech, on paper, shouldn't have been in that game that late, and I think that was a big reason why they were, um, was the running attack just wasn't as good as it has been uh, for Miami leading up to that point. So they're going to have to get back to toting the rock, to getting back to what they do, um, and if they can do that, you can keep Drake May on the sideline, you can keep him out of this game at least as much as you can, and uh, I think that will be kind of the key to victory for uh, Miami. What's the time of possession look like? What are the rushing yards look like? Um, that's what it'll come down to for the Hurricanes, but I think this one, I'm going UNC. Uh, you're in Chapel Hill. Drake May is rolling right along. He's proving that he's one of if not the best quarterback in the country and I think the Tar Heels just know that this one is as important as any of them especially with Florida State coming up I mean you you really have to get this one and keep yourself in the race uh with Louisville playing so well as uh, as well so I'm going to take UNC to win a close one here and go to 6-0. and All right I feel like we've been talking about really close matchups all day matchups that are razor thin margin any team could win it and this one's no different this actually might be the closest game of all uh, of the entire week Missouri at Kentucky a fight for their lives really in the SEC East both teams suffered a loss last week Kentucky got railroaded by Georgia in Athens and Missouri lost a tough one at home to LSU and i think when both of these teams come in uh to Lexington on Saturday, they're both gonna be very, very focused. They know that they still control their destiny in the East. You know, they they um or at least Missouri does. They still play um Georgia coming up. They still have the ability to win out and go to the SEC title. Obviously um a a tough showing last week and Georgia's starting to hit their stride, so might be an outside chance, but you want to keep those uh dreams alive as long as possible and this game will go a long way to uh, doing that for Missouri or for Kentucky. I think um, with this game, it, it's interesting because coming into this season, I think a lot of people would have ranked Devin Leary well above uh, Brady Cook in terms of SEC quarterbacks, but it's been totally um, flipped from that to start the season. Brady Cook has been incredible, taking care of the ball, had two picked last week, obviously, that. Made it, uh, have hurt his stats a little bit, but he's been absolutely incredible. He's been taking care of the ball at a great, uh, clip. And I think, um, that's what this one will come down to. You know, this Kentucky team has been very opportunistic in forcing turnovers and making the plays that they need to make. Um, so if Missouri can keep it out of their hands, can you know, um, extend drives and kind of just control the pacing of this game and not make big mistakes, I think they will be in the driver's seat. I think this one. It'll be razor thin, so anyone that can get extra plays on offense, anyone that can get a slight edge in the um, time of possession will obviously have a massive uh, upper hand there. Um, And I think the big one in this one, with games that are so evenly split, whoever gets home field advantage is huge, and Kentucky getting it in this uh, instance is huge for them. They play incredibly well at home, and I think that's something that'll probably carry over into this week. Obviously, They're going to have to be able to uh, run the ball. That's something that they were missing a lot against uh, Georgia, and that was really why they got absolutely no chance to get going. Otherwise, you know, the Georgia offense going crazy, but I think that's something that they're going to have to focus on this week. That's something they're going to have to drill into their guys' heads that if they're not going to be able to run the ball, they stand very little shot in this game, you know the missouri offense is going to attack you they're going to go downfield and with a guy like luther burden on the other side of the line of scrimmage it makes it really tough to win games if you're giving him chance after chance to make a play so this kentucky running uh, game is going to have to get back going they're going to have to get ray davis involved and i think that one uh, that will really what uh, be what defines this game can kentucky get back to what they do well running the ball Um, getting Ray Davis involved and you know he's coming off uh, last year had a tough game against Missouri um, but he was in a Vandy uniform when that happened so obviously a a much better offensive line this time around and just a a much better player in Ray Davis I think he's taken a lot of strides Um, he was fantastic at Vandy last year but I think he's taken that next step and I think he could really be the game changer in this game uh, if Kentucky can get him involved early and often. Um, this game, I, I have just no idea who is going to win. I think it's going to be right down the middle. It's going to be one of those bounce-a-ball uh, games, you know, who can make the one play, who can get the one turnover, whatever. But the way this game strikes me in a lot of ways is the same way the Missouri-Kansas State game uh, struck me when I first looked at that one. Two teams that I think I have ultimate confidence in, I think are very well coached and have the ability to win um, against a lot of teams in this country, but I do think, in that game at least, I just picked the best player on the field. I just went with Luther Burden and I called it a day. I felt like I was confident in losing with someone like that, at least betting in someone like that. So. I'm going to do that again. I'm going to roll with Luther Burden and the Missouri Tigers to get a huge one and at least stay in the hunt in the SEC East with Georgia looming. Why don't we finish up here with some rapid-fire games. We've got four games for you, and we'll start in Knoxville, Tennessee. Texas A&M going to Tennessee, 3:30 kickoff, Tennessee minus three in this one. And A&M needs this win just so bad. Uh, the Alabama loss last week is a very tough one to swallow for them. And if they lose this one, I think eight and four or seven and five is approaching very fast, so this is one is as important as any game they have left on their schedule and if they can get this one, I think it will build a lot of confidence in that Aggie locker room um Tennessee is gonna try to run the ball, they're gonna try to take um the energy out of this game and at least get the offense involved from a um a perspective of you know you're bullying this other team, hopefully. From a Tennessee perspective, you know, you're bullying the other team, you're running all over them, you're controlling the pace, and just kind of doing what they've done all season, you know, playing their, their style and not necessarily being the team they were last year and taking the top off and doing all this incredible stuff on offense. They're gonna take their possessions and take them very deliberately and just make the plays where they need to be made. Um, and I think it, it this one's another really tough matchup. But I think I'm going to go A&M in this one. I think backs up against the wall. I think someone's going to make a play. And I think this defensive line is good enough to slow that Tennessee uh, rushing attack just enough to give the Aggies the win. Um, We'll stick in the SEC here, and we'll go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We got the Tigers playing the Tigers in the second week in a row, which is a little wild of a thing. Uh, LSU playing Auburn right after playing Missouri, I think... That's just a fun little quirk I like uh, in the SEC uh, play. Um, And LSU, obviously, a crazy win against Missouri. How do they kind of handle all of that is obviously, you know, the defense played poorly again. I think that's just who the defense is at this point. Can they uh, slow down this Auburn uh, offense? Hugh Freeze obviously has the ability to exploit a lot of problems for defenses. That's what he did against Georgia in a lot of ways so if he can get Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne involved with their legs you know spread out the LSU defense it could be a tough day for LSU but the way I look at this game I'm I'm gonna go Jaden Daniels to just kind of do what he's been doing all year add to his Heisman campaign and win kind of big in this one I'm gonna take LSU by at least two touchdowns in that one we'll roll to the ACC now we got Louisville at Pitt this is a game that, on paper, Louisville should win 10 times out of 10. They're 6-0, and coming off a huge win at home. Pitt is 1-4 and and just haven't hit their stride offensively at all. But this is college football. It doesn't make much sense. Louisville, you know, coming off that dramatic win at home could be a little bit of a hangover. I don't necessarily know that's going to be the case, but it could be a little bit tough for them to get fully engaged in the game, at least from the get-go, so... If Pitt can get on top of them seven zero fourteen zero, watch out because this one could get a little sketchy for the uh, Cardinals pretty quickly. But um, another definer for this one, it's going to be nasty weather in Pittsburgh, so this is going to be a running game. This is going to come down to who can control the uh, the line of scrimmage. Jahar Jordan had a huge game uh, for the Cardinals last week, so watch for him to maybe be a X factor for them again. Um, but I'm going to take Louisville to hold on to their undefeated record to win a close one at Pitt and kind of just stave off uh, any problems at least for another week. Um, and we'll stay in the ACC for this one, actually. NC State at Duke, 8 p.m. kickoff, Duke favored by three, and obviously Riley Leonard still dealing with that injury he suffered against Notre Dame. That's a huge thing to watch going into tomorrow, but I think Duke got a very much-needed buy uh, last week, coming off a a tough loss, obviously, to Notre Dame. Riley Leonard getting injured, it gave him a little bit more time to kind of get right, find his footing a little bit. So I think that could be a huge uh, thing for Duke if he can go. Um, But honestly, even if he can't, I'm going to take Duke in this one. I think they get a much-needed win and kind of get their footing back in the ACC race. Um, They're still you know, undefeated in ACC play, so... Still plenty ahead for the Blue Devils, but I think even without Riley Leonard, I think they get the job done. Alrighty, that'll do it for this installment of Just Another College Football Podcast. My name is Tommy Brzee. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time.